Welcome to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. We are a weekly Columbus-centric podcast focusing on the civics, lifestyle, entertainment, and people of our city. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. This week, there's a balance to be struck between storytelling and getting to the heart of what matters in writing. That's especially true when writing about the arts. Since 2015, Grant Walters has been writing about comedy and music for Columbus Underground, and he has stories behind the stories. In a conversation with Columbus Underground co-founder Walker Evans, Walters explores the challenges and triumphs of restarting a writing career, the power of connecting with fans that aren't his own, and the intricate process of writing about what truly matters. They also discuss the everyday challenges of music journalism, the importance of supporting the local music community, and understanding the cultural identity of Columbus. You can get more information about what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Enjoy the interview. Sitting down with Grant Walters, author, freelance writer for Columbus Underground, man of many talents. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Grant, how are you doing? I'm really good. Thanks, Walker. Yeah. Um, Happy to be sitting down with you today to, to catch up on a variety of things. Uh, I always have a really good time talking to you because you do so many things out there out there in the world. Thank you. Um, Want to run through a, a wide variety of things, but just to sort of introduce the audience, uh, if they don't know who you are, uh, for my context, you, you've been writing for Columbus Underground since 2015. Yeah, which, almost going on nine years. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. which is pretty wild. And um, one thing that, so primarily writing about uh, music, entertainment, um, bands, comedians, entertainers, a lot of interviews, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. acts that come through town, interviews, previews, reviews of shows. Is that, yes. Is that fair yeah, to say? I'd say yeah. I write concert or, you know, comedy preview more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. You know? Occasional yeah. articles about like the local school system yeah. and stuff, but primarily the concert sort of stuff. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, one thing for me is that every once in a while I'll be like looking in the archives or I'll, I'll do a search for something and find something and be like, oh. I forgot about that from like five years ago. The most recent example, uh, Nate Bargetzi, who hosted SNL. Yeah. I totally forgot that you interviewed him like four or five years ago or something. And you see, I was, I was just, I was so pleased. I was like a proud parent watching, you know, this guy that I interviewed a few years ago. I mean, he was, he was making his way for sure, but yeah. him on SNL was really, he was a really nice guy to talk to as well. I really enjoyed him. So. Was that, uh, was he at Woodlands Tavern maybe? Do you remember? No, he was actually playing the drive-in. And so this was oh, this during was the pandemic. solidly okay. like the dark days of the pandemic yeah. where, you know, comedians had to be outside and standing on, you know, odd things in front of outdoor yeah. audiences. People had stuff. to honk their car horns instead of exactly. <laughs> clapping. So, yeah, I, I'm sure he and other folks would prefer never to do that again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. that's that's what it was. And so he was he was very nice. He was great to talk to. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, and that episode of SNL was really good. It was excellent. Yeah. He did such a nice job. He did, he did. Yeah. Um, he's also coming back to Columbus, I think in January, February, he did. March. Yeah. And he he's is. playing at like, I think, Schottenstein maybe? Uh, yeah, he's like filling an arena now. Yeah, so I, maybe nationwide. I think it was Schottenstein, but yeah, yeah, he's an arena comic now. I know. So that means I probably won't get to talk to him. Again, <laughs> but he's he's grown too big for um, my my little column. But yeah, that's okay. you, you never know. <laughs> um, 
But I, I spent some time kind of like looking through the archives because I'm like, there's others I'm sure that I have forgotten about. There's ones I always remember because they were like really fun reads. And um, I always remember the David Koechner story, like something didn't record and you had to start over and he was like super generous with his time. Oh, that was, was Jay Moore, actually. Jay um, Moore. Okay. So yeah, Jay Moore. Um, oh, Jay, Jay Moore. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. Um, he <laughs> I, I had something that I tried a new app or something that was going to because it was an incoming call and it just didn't um, or sorry, it was an outgoing call and he uh, it just didn't record. And so I was devastated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, panicking. And so I contacted his publisher. He's like, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. And he called. He's like, Grant, it's fine. I love talking. Don't nice. worry about it. Nice. And so, yeah, nice. he very nicely sat down with me for another hour uh, just to you know, recoup what we had talked about. That's it awesome. Was, it was great. He was a good guy. I think maybe David Koechner, like you, you met him afterwards mm-hmm. or something. I, I know you maybe talked to him twice over yeah. the years. And yeah. yeah. He, he's yeah. the one that kissed my bald head when he saw it, uh, yes. which was, you know, very nice. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> that was a moment for sure. But he's, he's a sweetheart of a man, actually. I really love talking to him. So yeah, hopefully one of these days we can do it again. Cool. And in, in the uh, show notes and the, the footer of this episode, we'll link to like the archives so people can go back and read some of the stuff. But I was kind of going through and looking uh, ben Folds, yeah. Chili of TLC, Kathy Griffin, Patton Oswalt, The Goo Goo Dolls, Tegan and Sarah, Tig Notaro, Jimmy Eat World, Melissa Etheridge, Damon Wayans Jr., The Gin Blossoms, Kevin Nealon, The Bare Naked Ladies, Matt Reif, Jason Alexander, 98 Degrees, Carson Cressley of Queer Eye, and Alice Cooper. Just, yeah. Just to name a few, <laughs> which is a really like wide variety. If you like, I mean, 98 Degrees and Alice Cooper alone, that's like boy band to like, I know, rock. That's God. A pretty, pretty stark, pretty stark gap in between those, uh, those two genres of music. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty weird to think about all the people that I've talked to. And I mean, I'm just a guy, you know, from living in Columbus yeah. from Winnipeg, you know, so it's just strange to me. A lot of people ask me, they're like, how do you get to talk to all these people? And I'm like, that's a great question. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Their um, publicists reach out cause they're coming through town and they're trying to sell tickets often. And sometimes yeah. I'll do, I'll reach out to, um, sometimes to no avail, but, uh, a lot of times if you're enthusiastic and you can demonstrate that you can have a conversation, they're, they're pretty open. So, so for some people that I really wanted to talk to, I did the reach out, which was yeah. very nice. But Ben Foles was actually the first sort of major music interview I did for mm-hmm. Columbus Underground. And I think um, I remember you're a big fan too, yeah, right? Yeah I, yeah, I love Ben Folds. Um, and he was playing with the symphony here. Uh, and I was nervous. I was so nervous because I know Ben's so smart. Um, he's a really accomplished musician, but also a really very intellectual person. And so I just, I worked really hard on the questions to make sure that, um, you know, they were worthy. And of course he, he couldn't have been nicer and, and answered everything that, uh, that I threw his way with, you know, grace. And so that was, that was very nice, but yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing to think about all the people that I've talked to and, and had conversations with. And, you know, for them, I'm sure it's, it's nothing. It's just, they're doing their, their yeah. PR stuff. But yeah. for me, I mean, some of those conversations were, really meaningful and I, you feel very connected, um, to them, you know, for a period of time. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very nice to, to, to be in that position. And this is something I always wanted to do. And I think when I came to you a few years ago and said, I really wanted to write. Yeah. What, I, what, what, where did that come from? What was that itch? I, I had always said that I wanted to, I, I did a, an album review and when I was in ninth grade and I, I loved doing that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, what was the album? Do you remember? I don't. And was it a good or bad review? It was a good review. <laughs> okay. It was a good review. Um, um, but I just remember I, I started doing a little bit of academic writing um, or some professional writing for my job in higher education. And I just said to my friend, I'm like, this is fine, but you know, I'd really love to write about music and interview yeah. artists. I said, wouldn't that be cool? And she's like, why aren't you? Like, can't you find something to do? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm old and trying to restart my career and become a writer is, is tough. And so, yeah. 
you know, when I moved to Columbus in, in 2013, I came and found, I started reading Columbus Underground and I thought, I wonder if they would ever, you know. Um, and so I remember you and I having a conversation and uh, you just said, you know, what do you want to write about? And I said, I don't know, music, comedy. And he's like, great, do yeah. it. Let's go. Let's try it. So uh, you gave me a shot, which was very, very kind of you. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's worked out very nicely for me. I hope it's been okay for Columbus Underground. Yeah, but, no, no. You know, a, a lot of the stuff has been well read. Um, and Thanks. even the stuff, you know, I always say like what's important isn't always popular and what's popular isn't always important. Yeah. So even the ones where, you know, the, the total number of eyeballs on the article were lesser, like mm-hmm. it's still connected with those fans, Yeah. you know? So, um, I think there's importance there. Yeah. Um, should also add you're an award-winning journalist cause we've submitted some of your work over the years. Yes. The Ohio society of professional journalism has recognized you. Yeah. I think two or three years. Yeah. Uh, for your work. So yeah, that was a trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, I mean, so nice to be, you know, of all the people that are writing and doing really good work in Ohio, um, it was it was really um, really humbling to be recognized by you know journals of, of journalists and, and peers that work in the industry that you know and I just do this part time and so yeah the, the fact that I got that kind of recognition to me was was kind of mind blowing I think what we can talk a little bit about this uh, toward the end of the episode in my notes about sort of the future of journalism but I think we're all headed toward working part time in the field of journalism yeah. <laughs> sadly not to be uh, all doom and gloom but um, before we go there. Um, I do want to talk about your book. Yeah. Um, very specific topic. Very, very specific. Very niche topic, as we would, yes. we would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess, tell us where, where did that, this come from? Oh, gosh. It's such a long story. Uh, <laughs> so the, the books that I'm writing are called Decades, and it's a book about the Bee Gees. Um, and it's exploring their catalog, not necessarily biography, but exploring their really massive catalog, song by song, album by album, mm-hmm. and telling the stories of how those records got made. Uh, so this has a fairly long tale, uh, but I, I've been a Bee Gees fan all of my life since I was very, very little. Um, but uh, where things really got started, when I was in college, I um, and this was at a time in the early 90s when the internet was very much a baby yeah. um, and not really publicly accessible, but we were able to apply to get an email address. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's not something everybody had at the, that time. Sure, yeah, yeah. We worked in these big Unix computers where everything was sort of this command prompt and that's how you got email. And so I got an account. And as I was exploring, I noticed that um, other musicians had these mailing lists, you know, listservs uh, that where fans got to talk about music mm-hmm. and sort of built these online communities. And I thought that was really cool. And, I took a gamble and asked my system administrator, hey, could we set one up? I'd love to do one for the Bee Gees. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. Um, And so uh, we established it. I started to get some feelers. And within a few weeks to a a month or so, we started having hundreds of people subscribing. Um, Yeah. I can't remember exactly how many people it ended up with. Uh, when I left college, I actually passed it along to another person who lived uh, somewhere else in the world, uh, definitely not in North America, uh, but they took the listserv over. The listserv just got shut down earlier this year. So I wow. mean, it had a life of over 30 years. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But of course, it's gotten replaced you know, by social media and, and other forums and things yeah. like that. But um, So all that to say, um, online while I was there, I met a lot of other Bee Gees fans. And uh, my two co-authors, Andrew Monhues and Mark Crowen, uh, were on that listserv. And so we started having these conversations and you know, people firing emails back and forth and 
nerding out about the music yeah. uh, for the past few decades. And so um, during the pandemic, uh, Andrew and Mark actually wrote a Bee Gees biography about 20 years ago that did very, very well. Um, and uh, Andrew had pursued a publisher um, that had these, it's a music publisher in the UK and it's called Sonic Bond. Um, and they specialize in music books strictly. Cool. Um, so they published these series called Decades. And what it does is it tackles an artist's career mm-hmm. by decade. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, we signed on to write these books during the pandemic and started in early 2020. We put out the first volume. It's uh, Decades of the Bee Gees in the 1960s came out in December of 2021. Um, and the one that's just come out in May um, is on the 70s. So, nice. so two books down. We think we have two more to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll focus on the 80s next, and we're currently writing. Uh, but then we'll do a 90s and 2000s volume yeah. after that. Uh, I mean, they had a career that spanned 70 years, and so and, sure. and ongoing. Um, so there, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, so that that was sort of the history of how this this all kind of came about. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But all of a sudden, I'm a published author, and that's, man, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when I think a lot of people think about the Bee Gees, they think about the seventies specifically, yeah. right? Kind of the, the height of their, the disco, sure. the height of disco, late seventies, yeah. early eighties. Um, do you think that'll be like the, the best selling book just by that? Or this really for like the music it, you're selling to that listserv, you're selling yeah. to like the super hardcore fans and actually the sixties has done really, really well as really too, That's because awesome. you know, they're, they're a British band, uh, but they also mm-hmm. had eight years in Australia. Uh, where they actively recorded at the beginning of their careers. And so uh, we actually had a huge response mm-hmm. overseas for, uh, well, huge is a relative term, but I mean, w- within our confines of, of what our publisher can do and, and you know, um, our subject matter area, people are, people really responded well to the first book too. So I think the 70s, um, I, I think they're pretty much neck and neck right now. From really? What I understand. Yeah. That's, that's so, awesome. Yeah. And, and you've, you've been traveling a bit with this yeah, as well. Yeah, we yeah. did a, a sort of a mini book tour over in the UK uh, in September. So we uh, went to uh, Tame in Oxfordshire, which is uh, where the residence of Robin Gibb was. And Robin's actually buried there. Mm. Um, and so we did uh, a book talk uh, there, um, which was really nice. And we had about 40 people show up and listen to us and they traveled from all over their England and, and came to see us, which was very nice. And then we did another one in Wales. Uh, so that was, that was cool just to sort of be able to come face to face with people who love the music as much as we do and talk about the books. And it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty detailed, pretty geeky, but, <laughs> but that's the stuff we love. And so that's the whole reason why we wrote these books was because, you know, people, uh, people love talking about their music, and uh, for the people that don't know their music as well, who maybe only know mm-hmm. Saturday Night Fever or you know their '70s output, I yeah. mean their their catalog is massive, um, and so we're hoping that by publishing these books, that somebody will read them and discover the depth of that, and and that they've been so influential. I mean, they started recording music in 1959. Wow! So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's a pretty stellar career, and I think that you know those. Those years where Saturday Night Fever um, and Spirits having flown their their follow up album, you know, from seventy five to seventy nine. I mean, it just only it scratches the surface. So, sure. Yeah. 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 So my um, my personal connection to the Bee Gees, and it's funny because you mentioned like the late nineties listserv uh, sort of era. Um, when uh, file sharing, MP3s, everything mm-hmm. started to get passed around. Uh, I was a teenager, so it was it was sort of like opening the door to discover n- new music. Sure. Um, yeah. There was a rapper like a hip-hop artist who did covers of songs and he did a couple of he did a stand alive in mm-hmm. in trance are you familiar oh, in trance yeah yeah in trance is a canadian group actually so, oh really yeah, okay they, nice they, um yes staying alive was the number one hit in canada so nice yeah so yeah they, they had two 
they run number one twice with staying alive. So. Yeah. And that was that like late nineties, yeah. like sort of Eurodance yep. era of music. Um, so it was really interesting to see like that sort of come back around. Cause everything is very cyclical over 20 years, right? Like very the way so. people have nostalgia for like the, mm-hmm. the early two thousands now, like mm-hmm. that's how far we are removed from yeah. the nineties to the, to the seventies. Gosh, yikes. <laughs> Just to make us feel, uh, right. Feel old. Um, Oh, so one one of the other things I wanted to ask you uh, was, you know, did, did you set out to write a book from the beginning of this journey with them, knowing that they had written a book before? Because I think a lot of people, when they think about, oh, I want to write a book, it's like a very daunting. How do you get from zero to published? You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's a multi-year process. How, how do you break that down into sort of achievable goals? Sure. Well, I mean, they, they asked me to come on board. And so, uh, you know, we, we developed a friendship. But as I started journalism... Uh, work and things like that. They had seen that. And I'd written some Bee Gees related articles for um, another outlet that I was writing for at the time called Albumism. And that was uh, focusing on the album art form. And mm-hmm. so I did some, uh, some Bee Gees uh, retrospectives and, and things like that as well. And Andy Gibb as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did, didn't you speak to one of the, uh, one of the kids? Yeah. Too? Spencer, Spencer Gibb is actually yeah. a, a friend of mine. S- so. Samantha, was that also? And, and Samantha, yeah. yeah Samantha okay. is Morris's daughter and uh, Spencer is Robin's son. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've uh, had a chance to connect with them. Spencer and I still talk pretty frequently. Um, he's pretty busy right now, but we, uh, he actually wrote the two forwards for our books. Oh, cool. Um, so that was very nice to mm-hmm. have, uh, members of the Gibb family, you know, talk to us and, and share some of their insight, but also really support the projects, which was, you know, incredible. That was, that was great. Yeah. Um, but they brought me on board as they knew that I was doing some journalism works, um, and had wanted me to, um, you know, contribute. They knew I had, you know, a lot of knowledge. Andrew and Mark are huge collectors and historians. Andrew actually worked for the Bee Gees for a period of time, uh, doing some different projects for video and television and things like that. And Mark, actually had the largest Bee Gees collection in Australia mm-hmm. um, and donated it all to the Queensland Library. So it's sitting in their archives now. So uh, the two of them, very serious collectors and, and serious historians. So the fact that they asked me to come along was very nice. Um, but uh, in Andrew's words, I'm the fancy writer. And so they want to, I, I think they benefit from me being able to, to wordsmith us. And, um, but it's been, it's been really cool. So they asked me to come on and, you know, we sort of just started working from there and, assembling bits and pieces of information. And so really it was developing the timeline. It was developing a series of events. It was laying out all the albums and tracks. And then from there, building out a narrative um, around that as well. So that was that was sort of our process. Sounds cool. Yeah. Um, not to get too far ahead, but are there any other uh, bands or artists that you would consider a similar type of like working on a retrospective? Oh yeah. I'd love book. to do, I'd love to do Simon and Garfunkel. Um, I would love to write a book about Chris Isaac, who's another favorite artist of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'd be, I, I'd be up for that. We, we have to finish these first before. We, sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> What's we, next? What's right, next? What's next? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I mean, definitely. Um, I, I think that that's a, that's a possibility that I'd love to explore, um, in doing that. And Spencer and I actually talked about writing a book and I'm hoping this doesn't hold us too, um, hold into this project, but, uh, writing a book about, um, sort of the late sixties music business in London on Carnaby street. Mm. Um, and sort of focusing on, you know, Brian Epstein and Robert Stigwood and all those, uh, music moguls that set up shops in, in London and, uh, helped to create the British invasion. So that might be something we would be interested in tackling. So that's, that's cool. That might be a fun project for the future. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, we had uh, an event slated last week to talk about sort of music journalism in Columbus. So I wanted to touch upon a few of those topics yeah. with, with you as well. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that we've always um, 
you know, I, I wouldn't say struggled, but, you know, um, gone to great lengths to try and really get our arms around mm-hmm. with Columbus Underground. Um, music journalism is important, both mm-hmm. lo- local bands, touring acts, and you've done a great job kind of covering yeah. more of the touring acts than, I know you have talked to some local bands, yeah. K- Camp, and mm-hmm. I'm going to forget some of the others off the top of my head. Um, but, uh, it's not always as well read as you want it to be. Those kind of like concert and, yeah. and Matt Ellis goes to a lot of shows and f- with photos. Yeah. And he's such a great photographer and he captures everything so, so well. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's excellent at that. Um, but you know, it's a valuable part of the ecosystem, the, mm-hmm. cre- the creative scene here in the community. So we want to be supportive and nurturing of yeah. that. So some of it's just like, you know, you gotta, you gotta just get people right and get, get people excited. You know, one, one, just keep pushing that boulder up the hill. Do you feel the same sort of way when it comes to some of these kinds of things? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's hard to know what's going to stick and and Mm -hmm. what people are going to sort of key into and things like that. But, um, you know, I, um, an anecdote that I had, not, not from Columbus Underground, but for albumism that I wrote for, um, I had written an article um, on David Cook, who was an American Idol winner, and he came to Columbus, or he, he was touring, uh, but also came up with an album, and I said, I'd like to talk to him. So I did, and my editor was like, nobody's going to read that. Like, that's not really our core audience. And, yeah. and then it ended up becoming one of the top five articles read on the website for the year. And I was that's like... That's great. So sometimes you don't know. Like, yeah, I, I think yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, there's just sometimes... Um, you know, people will, depending on the fan community, um, depending on how, if they share stuff out for us, which is always very nice. Sometimes mm-hmm. artists and their p- publicists don't, you know, put our articles out into the, into the ether for folks to, to consume. So, mm-hmm. um, so when that happens sometimes and we get a nice little bump, then that's great. But yeah, it's hard to predict sometimes I think sure. what's, what's going to ignite and what's not going to. So sometimes I write things and I'm like, well, this, hopefully this is great. Like this is a popular artist. And then, you know, we have 35 reads and you're like, yeah, all right. Well, that wasn't what I thought, but yeah. Sometimes uh, there's um, not a lot of longevity as well. If it's around Mm -hmm. an event, you know, if it's a concert preview and you're talking just about that show or a review of those photos, like once that week is over, yeah, who's going to go back and look at it unless it's a, you know, an up and coming band and it's like, Oh, look at these photos we took five years later of this band that like 20 people at their show and now they're playing stadium. So like that, that's kind of cool to have that sort of little snapshot in time. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, we, we experienced the same thing when, uh, Jesse Bethy, another freelancer of ours, uh, came to us with the idea of, he wanted to do sort of like an archeological take on the North market (laughs) graveyard. And we're like, people probably aren't really going to read that, but you're super into it. So we're into it. So knock yourself out. Yeah. He's like on the ninth. It's, it's been the most well-read series of the year. It's great. Like every single, he'll do another installment and like another 20,000 people read it. Love it. Another installment, another 20,000. So it's, it's been great. Um, with music, you know, uh, part of it is, you know, do people want to, uh, read interviews with local bands? Do Mm -hmm. they want, you know, list of upcoming concerts do they want concert re- reviews and coverage do they want album reviews are people still even releasing albums these days yeah you know and, and, and how to make sure you know um i mean what, what does columbus sound like you know is it is it the indie rock scene is it the hip-hop scene is it the sort of like country bluegrass scene or is it a collection of everything yeah i, I it's really hard to say i i don't know the formula i wish i did yeah um, but you know, so I think it's, I try to interview a variety of artists that I think are appealing to folks. And, you know, sometimes I think, Oh, if you know, this person's playing an arena, then, you know, 20,000 people are going to show up. Somebody's got to read this, right? Yeah, Somebody's going to want to yeah. see it. And then sometimes, 
you know, you're like, oh, I guess nobody, that's, that's fine. But they've got a ticket to go to the show. Um, so it's, it's just hard to, to figure out, um, you know, what will take off and uh, to find the correct balance. And I, and I guess the answer to your question is like, I don't know what the mix of Columbus music is. I think it's a lot of everything. And mm. so, um, you know, uh, country and Americana does really well here, but so does heavy metal and so does rap. And so yeah. does, you know, I mean, electronic music, yeah. we've got a big, a vibrant DJ scene, you know, yeah. and, and that has its own, you know, subgenres within. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. It's, you have to really try and be everything to everyone, which is tough. It's, it's really hard to do. And I'm also limited. I mean, I'm only part time. And, sure, sure, sure. You sure. know, yeah. um, it's, it's hard to, um, if I could dedicate, if I had a career to be able to spend like figuring out metrics and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, go out to shows every night and also do that. <laughs> and that, that's part of it too. And yeah. well, the industry is really interesting because they really want you to come out and watch the show and yeah. react to it because they really want you to capture, mm-hmm. you know, the feel of the live show and tell other people about it so that they buy tickets to go to the next thing mm-hmm. or go check them out. And so I, I realize sometimes that's, I don't think that's always where our readers are because, yeah. you know, reviewing a show after you're done with, that I, I don't know how much that appeals to people. It's like you you missed it. Yeah, here's right. the thing it's that like, you didn't this go was to. So great, but yeah. too bad you didn't go. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, like when, when Richard Sanford does the theatrical reviews, he tries to get in on opening weekend yeah. so that he can have the review done, and then the show runs for two more weeks so right. people can go see it. Yeah, yeah. which makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, right? or but, or like movie reviews with Hope and George, they yeah. watch it opening night and then. It's in the theaters for a while. But I, I, I've always tried to poke around with the artists just because I, for, I guess it's interesting. Maybe it's interesting just to me. Uh, but, and I, I hope it creates more for the artist too. Cause I just, I like to get to know the people that I, that create my art and, you mm-hmm. know, that I appreciate. And so I guess maybe there's a little bit of selfishness there that I love doing that. And I'm hoping other people like it too. But, um, but I, I was finally doing reviews cause a lot of people want album reviews mm-hmm. and they want, and it's like, I'm not a really great music critic. I, I know that about myself. Um, I really don't like writing about stuff. If I discover I don't like it, I don't really enjoy mm-hmm. pursuing it. And so, um, you know, when I get pitches for certain things, I know I'm like, ah, I know I'm not going to want to write about that. And so I don't. And maybe that's my limitation. I probably need, maybe I need to push myself a little bit more, but I also don't want to, I also don't want to turn it into like, if I really dislike this album and I want to be honest, like, mm-hmm. is that great for our readership? Is that great for our reputation? Is that good for, you know, I, I don't know. But yeah. Other yeah. people do that really well. I don't think I do. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, the, the, the financial model of this sort of stuff has changed a lot over the years mm-hmm. as well. Um, and that's one of the things that we've been, we've been kind of talking internally about because we do want to bring on some more freelancers to help cover the scene, but you know, b- bands don't have a budget to advertise. No small venues don't have much of a budget to advertise. Yeah. The, the larger venues are growing more and more consolidated. Mm-hmm. And so their budgets become these massive things that are untouchable to small publications like us. They, they'd rather dump their money into the duopoly of, you know, meta and alphabet. Yep. Facebook and Google exactly. to sell concert tickets and you know they they don't really throw us a bone so how do you how do you rebuild that sort of ecosystem of local spending yeah. in, in addition to you know so that we can pay writers to cover the music and have the music promote their shows to our readers and keep yeah. that keep that wheel turning i guess is the yeah and i i wish i had a good solution to that and i also find too <laughs> that um a lot of um a lot of artists and they're publicists still really want to go for big publications. And so I think if you're a smaller publication like us um, or a smaller outlet that, you know, people would rather go to the Columbus dispatch because that that's a name that's, you know, um, it's main, it's, it's big journalism and, you know, and, and no shade to the writers there, but I, I, 
um, I, I, it, I would be nice to have an opportunity sometimes to get some of the people that they do. Cause I would, I would love to spend time with them and, and whatnot, but sometimes we don't always get that opportunity. Sure. And, yeah. And they're, and they're very candid about their like, Yeah. We're not probably not going to. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, especially if it's a band or a musician or, or comic, you know, they're, they're in town to do a show. Mm-hmm. They don't want to spend six hours of their morning. Right talking to every media outlet in town, they'll, they'll pick one or two. Correct. Yeah. So they can still kind of like chill out before their show or whatever. Exactly. And yeah. sometimes that's us. I mean, um, yeah, you know, uh, cap has been very nice about throwing us, yeah. um, you know, really, really good folks and saying, you know, we know you do a good job, so we'd like to you to yeah. talk to them. And, yeah. You had Craig Ferguson uh, recently, yeah, which was no, really cool. No, and then, uh, Craig's so great. I know Sam Morrell who I, as a comedian and I love him, it sounds like he doesn't really like talking to the media that much. He's been sharing all those <laughs> clips of like, Sort of uh, trolling TV news. How he, how he purposely goes in and tries to yeah. humiliate people in, in local yeah, news yeah. And, and tries to catch them off guard. He, he, was, he was fine with me. Yeah, uh, I was saying, reading your piece, it kind of sounded like he started off a little surly, and then you kind of like crack that nut a little bit and start talking about like sports and like other things other than just like, how's the tour going? I really work hard on Have that you stuff. ever been to Columbus before? Like, yeah. What can yeah. we expect from your show? And it's yeah, like, what do yeah. What you think you can expect from the show? Like, yeah. It's a comedy show. Right. You know? Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I think personally interviewing folks, I think they're often surprised that I have a lot of questions prepared and I've done, they're like, oh, you did research. And I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Said, that's important to me, right? I, I don't want to walk into a conversation and be unaware of what you do and, yeah. and things like that. And so it's just, yeah. So I, I do spend a lot of time purposely trying to prepare for that so that I ask them different things and they get, you know, in, in other places. Um, because I, I, I think people like those kinds of interviews though. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I it, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, the hot ones, the Sean Evans style where like he's sitting down with an interview and asking like a question from mm-hmm. the past and they're like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or to, I guess to go more, uh, Canadian, it's, it's the Nardwar approach. It's the Nard. Yeah. 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 Sure it is. Yeah, yeah. Music journalism right there. It's like, here's, here's an album that I know that you liked when you were 13 and they're like, how did you know that? Exactly. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, and it's a gift and it's for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love asking some of those questions that, um, not, not catch them off guard, but I think make them think where they pause and go, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, They'll remember um, that encounter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they really appreciate that. And that's, that's been something that I really tried to focus on is, is doing anything. And cause I'm a music geek. I mean, I'd love every part of, you know, the music making process and, and comedy as well. I love hearing about the creative process. And so, mm-hmm. Um, and often I find if I'm on a level with them, um, that, uh, they get a sense that I'm really into what they're doing and that I really thought about it and I understand the craft a little bit They're They're often much more responsive. And so sometimes they're able to turn around, as you say, some of those, you know, more, uh, uh, sort of uh, bristly interviews into something that's a little bit more palatable where by the end they're like, okay, this was all right. Thank you. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, well good. I'm glad yeah. we, I'm glad we got to that good place. Yeah. Uh, there, there've been very few interviews that I've had that have not gone well. There's only been a, a couple where I've been like, Oh, <laughs> I've got to cobble something out of this thing. And I'm not sure what it's going to look like, but, um, but it's always been, I learned later on that they don't like doing interviews and I'm like, yeah. well, your publicist shouldn't, yeah, maybe or you should think about they that. could have just gotten off the phone on a bad interview yeah. and then just been like, well, here, here goes another one, you know, exactly. so you never know when you're catching them. So yeah. I, I've, I've had to really learn not to take it personally. Um, I interviewed Patton Oswalt uh, for the first time 
And I mean, just really short answers. I mean, the whole interview took about nine minutes and I got off the phone and I was devastated because I love him as a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read later on, he doesn't like talking on the phone. He'd rather be in person or yeah. do email. And I'm like, well, I could have done that. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe not in person, but we could have done an email interview. And so you just kind of stand back and you, you just, your heart breaks a little bit because I'm like, God, I admire him so much. And now I've got to put this article out and make it look like it was this fantastic interview when it really stunk. Um, and I felt awful about it. Um, and so I, I, it, those have been few and far between, thankfully. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, just to circle back to music uh, real quick, the, the, the Music Columbus, uh, formerly the, the Columbus Music Commission, they, they rebranded to Music Columbus. They're doing a survey right now. I don't know if you saw. We, we I haven't sh- seen it Share some information. This is brand new just within this week. Um, they're running a survey throughout the month of November, mostly talking to musicians uh, and people related in the industry. So uh, promoters, venue owners, mm-hmm. you know, anyone that works with bands, music, musicians, entertainers in any kind of capacity. Um, I think they're trying to just get like uh, a grasp on where the community is right now sure. to find out like what we're doing well and what we're not doing well, like within that realm. Um, as someone who's been reporting on this for a while, are there things that you think we could be doing better as a city to support the music scene, either in terms of attendance, awareness, lack of venues, lack of just live music in, in random places? Yeah, I, I, I've thought about this before, truly, because... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I talk to venues or talk to publicists and things like that, you know, I, I've gotten quite a, a bit of information. I have a good friend who works, um, uh, does does publicity for Atlanta Records in New York. And so she's always been very kind to sort of share some insight with me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's really hard because they're just out there trying to get as much information out as possible. And they strike out a lot, too. And so even a big publicity machine, you know, uh, in, in the New York, in the New York, um, you know, in the New York base that, you know, that, that's promoting stuff internationally can still sort of struggle with that. And, and I don't know, I mean, I would love, uh, better communication. I, I think between press and, and venues would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I feel like I get a lot of information from big public publicity firms that are in LA, New York, Nashville. Um, and I hear very little from local, yeah, uh, from yeah. from local um, firms or local venues and things like that as well. And so I'm on some listservs and I know when acts are coming, but I also don't know who to contact sometimes. Like sometimes yeah. finding somebody where I can get an in and be like, can you get me an interview? Can I get this information? Yeah, that's that's 80 percent of the battle in, in writing um, about music is figuring out the right person to get to so that you can access the artist at some point. Uh, so sometimes that's really hard. Um, also the timing is really tough too. Like, um, I'll get, um, a notice that a band's coming in in two days, day later, yeah. two days yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, and be like, we'd love to see how the show come and write a piece. Do you want to do an interview? And I'm like, yeah, this would have been great. Like two weeks ago. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I'm uh, only being part time and occasional, like it's, it's hard to, to map those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes you don't get any communication at all. And so sometimes we even do outreach or I'll, I'll reach out to, somebody at a venue or at a PR firm or something like that. And I'll just get zero response. And it's just like, Oh, okay, well then I don't know what to do with that then. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. So I, I think that that communicative piece is, is really important where, um, you know, the local press, uh, and, and, you know, certainly for the big outlets too, but also for us, like if you want us to get in the venues and talk to people, like we need to know what's going on. Like yeah. We need to know where people are. Right. We need some notice probably because our writing staffs are not huge and they're, you know, mostly not full time. And, you know, how do you, 
you know, if you want us to support you, how can we, how can we make that better? So I, I think that's certainly part of it. Um, I think having a lay of the land of where, um, where venues are in the city and what they do and um, the kind of clientele they're trying to attract and, you know, what artists they're looking to bring in, you know, that's helpful as well. And so it's, it's hard. Sometimes it's, it's not understanding the criteria of how, you know, band show up in Columbus or music act show up in Columbus. And for local folks, I often don't get a lot of pitches from local, um, from, from local musicians either. Um, and so I get tons more from, and I understand that because you know, yeah. there are PR machines that work for them. Right. Um, right. so your average they, local band doesn't have a PR budget. <laughs> yeah. So is, is there a way where we can be more explicit on our behalf, you know, yeah. from Columbus underground or from another outlet of like, we want to support local artists. So here's a, here's a, of an avenue in which you can send us music or you can send us a pitch or, you know, things like that. Uh, may not be always be able to say yes based on scheduling and things like that, but I mean, it would be nice to be able to figure that out. And sometimes that happens, but it's, it's not very often. That's, that's some great insight. And so yeah. we'll, we'll definitely keep that in mind as we're trying to bring on some more freelancers, just help connect, connecting those dots. I think so. So not everything is so siloed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And, and also I think, you know, there are some local acts that are trying to break out into the larger mm-hmm. sort of, um, sort of audience and things like that. And so sometimes they're not always focused on things that, like camp's a great example. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, I had a nice interview with camp, but I mean, they're now, you know, nationally known mm-hmm. and are, are doing very, very well and they're touring extensively and things like that. So trying to 20, 21 pilots is another one. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I heard nothing. The last time I wanted to interview them, they were just like, yeah, they're not talking to anybody in the local press. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. I mean, yeah, they're from Columbus, yeah, yeah. why wouldn't they? But yeah. I guess they don't have to because yeah. you know, they're now globally known and, and very successful. So I think there's just some of that stuff where sometimes it's, it's easy to miss, uh, from, from either side. So nice. Yeah. So a tradition with the confluence cast is to always ask a guest, a set of questions, a pair of questions at the very end. Okay, great. What do you think Columbus is doing well? And what do you think Columbus is not doing well? doesn't have to be with, in regards to music journalism, journalism, book publishing, any, anything that we've talked about, it could be anything on your mind. What are we doing well as a city? Um, or you could start with not doing well. Oh, well, I, I mean, I think in terms of doing, I, I mean, I think, uh, oh, this is hard. Um, <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, things were doing well. Um, I, I think there, I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing in terms of investing. I, I'll talk about the art scene. I think that there is a, a, an increasing investment in our art scene. Um, and I've seen things growing and, you know, I, I used to be connected to the improv community. We now have two mm-hmm. full-time theaters yeah. open, um, comedy venues. I mean, I know that we've talked a lot to the folks that work at the attic and mm-hmm. the comedians that work there and don't tell comedy and things like that. So, mm-hmm. uh, there, there are those things that I've seen are really very cool. We're getting bigger festivals. We're getting bigger names coming through. So whatever is happening there, I mean, I mean, I think we're, I, I think we're getting to a, a better place where I think there's, um, more concrete places for people to explore the arts in, in Columbus. So that's been, that's been very nice. And that's different than when I, you know, moved here, mm-hmm. you know, um, 10 years ago. Um, and that's improved. What I don't think we're doing well, can I say inclusion? Uh, not, not <laughs> sure. Well, in, in lots of different ways. And so I, I think that we have a really culturally rich city and I don't know how much the city is doing to really 
um, take advantage of that, to explore mm-hmm. it, to connect people to it. Yeah. Um, so I feel like our city feels very siloed in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and, and as it continues to grow, I don't know how that's going to change or yeah. anything like that. I feel like the, the one, the one thing, and I'm not trying to answer your question yeah, for you. No, I, no. I feel like the one thing people, um, are willing to like venture outside their comfort zone with is food. Yeah. Like they will go oh, yeah. find that Somali restaurant on Morse road mm-hmm. or that like, you know, authentic taco truck out on the West side. Yes. But, but how do you get them to do that for cultural events, right. m- music events, theatrical exactly. events, everything else? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's a really, um, that, that's a really, that's a really important consideration that I think if we want to be a city that's quote unquote cosmopolitan and, you know, mm-hmm. closer to things like Chicago or, you know, if, if that's where people, I think a lot of people crave to have us be a more exciting city in lots of different ways. And mm-hmm. so, uh, that's, that's part of getting there, right. Is, is, um, appreciating and, uh, supporting, um, those, those diverse, um, cultures and, um, and, and different venues for cultural enrichment and things like that. So I, I think that that's important. Um, we're, we're not super great about preserving history here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. visiting the UK was a really good reminder of that about, you know, I went and touched a Roman wall. Um, and, and I, of course our, our things are never going to be that old, but I think if you walk around Columbus, um, there are very few cues in terms of our heritage and sort mm-hmm. of where the city, or, or if they're there, they've been buried, burned, mm-hmm. you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, Paved so, over top of. And built over top of, yeah. things like that, you know. Uh, so I, um, I, I really think, um, I really think, people need to learn about Columbus and where, where it originated, how it was created, both the difficult things and, and the productive things that, that built the city, uh, to learn more about, you know, what, what does that mean for the future and how do we preserve, you know, that, uh, so that's something I've always felt when I've come here and versus visiting other places that I think very much dig into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Columbus doesn't really talk a lot about its, um, um, I also think it needs to be comfortable with what it is. And I think a lot of people really rip. There are times when I get frustrated living in Columbus too, sure, yeah. but um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm, I wish more people would appreciate it for what it is and also for what it isn't, you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're not New York city for a reason. We're mm-hmm. not Chicago for a reason. We're mm-hmm. not Nashville. We're not um, you know, we're not Seattle for a reason. And so what, what are the reasons that we have to really appreciate what, what Columbus is and, uh, and how do we f- highlight that? I, I think as a cultural project, you know, through the media, I, I don't know how we better. I, I mean, of course, you know, um, Brent and Jesse and folks do a really nice job of that for Columbus underground and other folks too. But, um, a lot of times I, I don't think we talk a lot about, um, th- those aspects of, of our cities existence and and I and I don't know how to change that necessarily um but uh yeah th- those are some things that I think about as as a resident of Columbus and and sort of um you know and I live in German village and so you know I, I see the history there sure, every yeah. day and it's yeah. very it's very tangible yeah but not so much for other parts of the city and I know it's there and right. so um you know German village is not the only historic neighborhood in Columbus mm-hmm. and um, it's one that everybody seems to like to visit because, um, you know, we see people there every day and that's great, but you know, um, where are other places where you can seek out some of those really interesting pieces of history and culture. And I think all of those are things that I, I kind of think about. Nice. Great answer. Uh, Grant, thanks again for taking the time today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
Thank you for listening to the Confluence Cast presented by Columbus Underground. Again, you can get more information on what we discussed today in the show notes for this episode at theconfluencecast.com. Please rate, subscribe, share this episode of the Confluence Cast with your friends, family, contacts, enemies, your favorite critic. If you're interested in sponsoring the Confluence Cast, get in touch with us. We can be reached by email at info at theconfluencecast.com. Our theme music was composed by Benji Robinson. Our producer is Phil Cogley. I'm your host, Tim Fulton. Have a great week. 